This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, back by popular demand, is Dustin Woodhouse today. He's the president of Mortgage Architects. He's also, uh, this is his 12th time being he's a, he's on part uh, of the Vancouver 12th Timer Club. Yeah. The hypothetical jacket. I think we should get the jackets made. Uh, we've been talking about the gold jacket. We got to get Dustin a t shirt, actually. You know what? We do. Yeah. I wonder what size Dustin is these days because, well, it's spoiler he, alert. We get to some fitness at the end of the program. We get to some fitness. He calls himself an average guy. Uh, uh, he's far from average. No, there's nothing average about, about Dustin Woodhouse. That's no, for sure. Absolutely. And and why why is now such a great time to hear from Dustin Woodhouse? Well, here's the thing, Adam. We were talking to Dustin a couple weeks ago about the Bank of Canada's announcement. Well, this will go out tomorrow. So yes. we're talking on Wednesday. It happened this morning. And Dustin was was basically really, I think, variable rates have been weighing on him. Right. He's been on the show talking about variable rates for a long time, and he wanted, he actually reached out to come back on and uh, wanted to time it around this morning's announcement. And uh, it was a good news, good news story, maybe. This just in as of this morning, but uh, we saw 50 basis points increase right. today by I the Bank of everyone, Canada. Everyone seemed to be expecting 0.75. Yeah, and I, I wonder, because Dustin is is in an interesting position now, because this is someone who used to do about 200 ends a year, which for people that are not familiar with that, that is like a mammoth mortgage broker. That's a, that's a lot of ends. Yeah, that's a lot of ends for a year, right? And he'd do that, like the the story goes, he'd do that with like a part-time assistant. So it's not like he had a huge team yeah. brokering all those deals. He was a powerhouse mortgage broker, someone that really, really built a successful business uh, throughout the past 10 years or so before he, he joined Mar- Mortgage Architects. Now his role has kind of changed where he's He's growing uh, Mortgage Architects. He's the president there. But at the same time, he's now dealing almost exclusively with brokers, right? right. He's talking to hundreds, maybe thousands well, of yeah, brokers. I think they have close to 2,000 brokers. Yeah. Every single morning, he's engaging with these brokers. I get the emails. The crazy thing about it, though, is imagine the conversation now because so many brokers have been, I think, correctly advising in a lot of ways to get people into variable rates, which have been proven to be the right choice for many years. And now it's not the right choice. And he's having that conversation with these brokers day in, day out. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of brokers, a lot of people in the industry have to be feeling the weight of that. Well, the weight of that and just having, you know what, it's in markets like this, you're having a lot of tough conversations and I can't imagine how many conversations a lot of those people are having. And uh, so it's good to have Dustin back he addresses the Bank of Canada interest rate increase this morning. Is the pivot in? Right. Is it regime change? What does this look like? What should we all do right now if you're buying, selling, a fixed rate's coming up, variable fixed? We run the gamut. This is a great conversation, as always, with Dustin. Yeah, absolutely. And what is he hearing on the ground? 
having access to so many brokers across, right across the, country. the country. Right yeah. across the country. So yeah. this is this is a great this is a great episode. Matt, before we get to that, any news on what's going on with the t-shirts and Instagram? Because that seems to be, I'm getting that question a lot. You we know had what? a contest. I am we did we had a contest. I'm uh you know it and Dustin talks about his not having a TV. I don't think this is a spoiler alert. My Instagram knowledge is not up to where it needs to be. Do actually. you have an Instagram? <laughs> I do have an Instagram. It's uh I, let's call it inactive. So I'm not sure maybe you should explain this contest. Well, we did a we did a contest and uh it seems to be ongoing. Here's what you can do if you like the show and you are on Instagram. You can share your favorite episode and tag us in it. We'll get a notification. We will repost your tag, if that's how you talk about Instagram. Right. And then we'll uh, we'll do our best to get you a shirt out. We're sending a lot of shirts out. We're starting to have people post in the shirts. We just recently had a, a photo you of... You know what? Uh, and, and I think the overwhelming consensus is these are good-looking shirts. They're good-looking. They're good quality. Check them out at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Matt, some amazing shows also in in uh, in the can right we, now. We've already got them in the can. Yeah, we yeah. Have, we're running four or five deep right now. I am so excited to release these. It's like yeah. I feel like we're we're really on top of things right now and uh, have some fantastic guests coming up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, among them, Dustin Woodhouse today. This is a fantastic episode. So uh, have a listen, and uh, we'll check back after the interview. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Berquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at marcon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at marcon.ca or follow them at Instagram at marconhomes. Marcon, building for life. Okay, so we're here with Dustin Woodhouse, president at Mortgage Architects. And I should say, I just, I, I had to check because I, I think I wanted to make sure my numbers were correct, but 1,695 funded files between 2008 and 2018. So over, over a span of 10 years, if anyone's listening, that's 170 files per year, uh, roughly on average, and 11 times on VREP, which I like to think is one of the most important I points think, of your yeah, that's, that's on your CV. That's the, uh, <laughs> I'm making a note of it. I'll, I'll document that. That'll be in my CV from now on. 11 time guest. Uh, thank you again for joining us, Dustin, uh, past guest fan favorite. And uh, can you maybe start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? 
Uh, well, as you touched on, I was uh, the, the face and the voice of many a mortgage transaction for, for a number of years. And uh, three and a half years ago or so, got tapped on the shoulder and asked if I'd like a corporate role. And um, I, I said, yes, let's give that a shot. So I'm, I'm three and a half years into uh, running the fifth largest mortgage brokerage in Canada. We've grown phenomenally. We've grown from about $6 billion in funded volume in 2018 to we're tracking for $17 billion in funded volume. So almost 3x. 1,300 agents when I started, up to 1,900 and change right now. Hopefully, we'll close out the year close to 2,000. So uh, it's a different kind of role, but I'm still deeply immersed in all things mortgages. And right now, uh, you mentioned I'm your your 11, 11 time guest, as you guys very well know, and anybody who's heard me speak knows the last 10 times, what have I said? I've said variable, variable, variable. Was that a bad decision? No, it was the right decision. Has it had a bad outcome? Has it ever? I now feel like the poster child for variable rate mortgage hate. <laughs> <laughs> but we can get into that a little deeper. And um, I've been a fan of variable and I've been variable myself since 1996. And uh, I'm, I'm eating my own cooking since 1996. I'm still eating my own cooking today. And we can get into the details of why that is. But it is a tough year for the variable rate mortgage holder in particular. And it's a tough year for brokers who've been advising on variable rate. It's a lot easier time for order takers who just said, yes, you'd like a five-year fixed because your parents told you, because the marketing of the bank told you, yes. It's a lot easier time for them right now. That's for sure. But those of us who advised, uh, it's 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 challenging. And, and we want to get into that. It was uh, one of... You sent us an email a, a couple of weeks back or a week back, maybe. And I got to say, you're usually somebody that I listen to and think, everything's all right. Everything's all right. And then the email had a little bit of a different tone to it just because this year has been so dramatic, right? So we, we definitely need to talk about that. But but first, Dustin, Bank of Canada this morning, I think everyone, at least in that we were talking to, was expecting a 0.75 rate increase, and it was only a 0.5. Did, did that surprise you? I, frankly, it did, although I will confirm that I am uh, officially out of the prediction business. I am no longer, <laughs> no longer making predictions on, on, on anything that's going to happen. You know, if anything, it feels almost like, uh, and this is going to sound kind of crazy, but it, it almost feels like they might be taking their foot off the gas a little too soon, um, but when you read some of the wording, you know, like it's not over yet, right? Like some of the specific wording included uh, a couple highlights here. You know, in Canada, the con economy continues to operate in excess demand and labor markets remain tight. Demand for goods and services still running ahead of the economy's ability to supply them. So they're not saying the fight against inflation is over. And in fact, I'll just skip all the different quotes I took out of that Bank of Canada statement, and I'll leave you with this one, uh, or these two. The governing council expects that the policy interest rate will need 
to rise further. And then the final bottom line of their of their uh, statement today, we, the Bank of Canada, are resolute in our commitment to restore price stability for Canadians and will continue to take action as required to achieve the 2% inflation target, which of course the last report came in at 6.9. So we're a long way from that target. So, you know, given that commitment and their expectations and the and, and the talk, yes, it was surprising that we only hit a half, but a half, a half point is a magic number for tens of thousands and not good magic, like black magic, bad magic. Uh, for tens of thousands of variable rate mortgage holders. There's about to be a lot of stuff happen. A lot of different things are about to happen depending on which lender your variable rate mortgage is held with. So that's probably something we should dig into a little bit. Yeah, why don't, why don't, we, uh, why don't we talk some more about that? Can you, can you unpack that a bit? And, and that we should say there's a trigger warning for this. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. A a, a trigger warning for the trigger rate, trigger point conversation. Well, look, before we do anything, let me, I'm not a football guy, but let me give you a quick little Super Bowl 48 football story. And you don't need to be a football fan either, dear listener, to to follow along here. This is really, really important for people who are in variable rate mortgages, especially if they've got you know that fixed rate neighbor or a family member who's like laughing at them and giving them a hard time and everything else and and they're beating themselves up and now i normally am speaking to brokers and believe me a lot of brokers are having sleepless nights they're feeling awful that their clients are in the position they're in that they advised them on a variable rate mortgage didn't make the decision for them but they feel like they influenced that decision because how can you not feel that responsibility? So this little story goes out to all of you who are feeling guilt, who are feeling shame, who are feeling like you made a mistake. In Super Bowl 48, in the final seconds, the worst call, air quotes, air quotes, it wasn't the worst call, spoiler alert, the worst call in Super Bowl history was made by a coach by the name of Pete Carroll. Here's the thing. It was not the worst call. Now, some Super Bowl fans, some football fans are saying, yeah, it was, or screaming at the radio right now here, right? It was not the worst call. It was the worst outcome because that play had been run 66 times that season, and that play worked 66 times, 100% success rate. And that play had been run hundreds of times over the previous 10 years, and it was the right play, it worked 98% of the time. Betting against that play working, that was the dumb call. Like winning against that call was pure luck. Like math, statistics, history, logic were not on anyone's side other than Pete Carroll's. But luck was not on Pete Carroll's side. So that's a guy who gets paid a million dollars a month a million dollars US. So that's really big money. A million dollars a month to make expert decisions. And he does make expert decisions. He makes the right call. But every now and then, even when you make the right call, you have a bad outcome. But that's why he's still employed. And that's why he's still in the game, because he did make the right call. Now, variable rate mortgages, they are the right call 95% of the time. 19 years out of 20, it's the right move. Well, this is the 20th year, folks. 
this is a 20th year. Will next year be another 20th year? It might, but what about the 19 years after that? That's what you've got to ask yourself. So, you know, that, that's the other piece of this too, right? A, a mortgage term, a variable versus a fixed in Canada, we're t- typically talking a five-year term. Well, we've got a, we've got a rough seven months under our belt, but it's a 60-month term. So how deep into your variable were you? And how much winning had you already done before this little series of events has unfolded? You may still be well ahead. Now, if you just started out in a variable rate mortgage, which I myself did, you're coming up against a trigger rate and you have not paid down that mortgage significantly. So depending on your lender, the trigger point may or may not be that far away as well. But but as I say, I wanted to, we'll get into that, but I wanted to share that story. And I don't know if either of you guys are football fans or remember that Super Bowl, but. No, you know what, but that's, uh, no, I th- I feel like that's a great way of framing uh, the current call, like in terms of variable over over the long term being the smart play and and just getting caught, right? It is what it is. And, you know, the fixed rate folks, uh, they're kind of a lot like the broken clock. I mean, they've been wrong for the last 12 years. I mean, arguably, they've been wrong for the last 25 years, you know, but they're finally right. Winter finally came. Well, no kidding. Like winter was going to come eventually, but averaged out over the long haul, you know, and, and that's setting aside the entire conversation about prepayment penalties. And, and, and that's why here's a very surprising statistic for, for you guys. I think the audience, a lot of people will be shocked by this. I was at a mortgage conference last weekend and my key takeaway was, was actually COVID, um, <laughs> long, long, long time listener, first time caller, right? Like for, for a first time, first go around. But anyway, that was, that was quite the experience. My next biggest takeaway from that conference was watching a lender panel where the heads of four different lenders were having a conversation and they all acknowledged that the conversion rate from variable to fixed uh, or from adjustable to fixed, there's a bit of a nuance there, but either way, the number of people locking in well, I don't know, guys. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but take a guess. And I'll share with you what I thought my number was. So they shared how many of what the percentage of clients locking in has been over the past six months. And and I've already kind of spoiler alerted because I've said it was surprising. But what do you guys think? What do you think the percentage of people locking in has been? For a five-year fixed. Yeah, from their variable into a fixed. Ooh, I would think it's quite high. I'm going to say 70%. Yeah, I mean, now I'm a little closer to the market, and so I would have I would have thought quite high as well. But my definition of quite high would have been twenty percent. The reality: five to six percent of people are locking in. The majority. Wow! Did Adam get that wrong? Yeah, (laughs) this is crazy. You know what's funny? I just as an aside, I have a a variable rate mortgage, and I spoke with a broker maybe five six months ago about this, and he advised. And he was from one of the banks. He said, I, I would lock in. And I didn't. And I th- actually, in hindsight, thought I was the only, I'm like, man, I'm an idiot. Uh, All right. So key, key point of clarity. I have to interrupt you there. 
if they work for a specific bank, they are not a broker. Right. Sorry. That, they, they, they can't refer to themselves as a mortgage broker. They're not a mortgage broker. They're Man, part did of Matt a get that wrong. sales force. <laughs> That's right. So <laughs> specialist. I think he referred, he genuinely, I think, referred to himself as a mortgage specialist, but he, he was passed. I was passed off to him at some point. And uh, no, he advised to, to lock in. But I was thinking, I bet I'm the only guy going to white knuckle through this. But wow. So almost 95% of the people are white knuckling through. Well, look, there's lots of great people. I know lots of great people in mobile mortgage Salesforce roles representing an individual institution's products. But make no mistake, a bank's mandate is to serve and protect shareholders. And the most profitable mortgage on a bank's book is a five-year fixed. They, they have bigger margins than they do on a variable rate mortgage. And they have on average about nine times larger prepayment penalties, which statistically the banks very, very well know. Cause I mean, they have the data, they track the data. Six out of 10 Canadians will break their mortgage at an average of 33 months and they will trigger that penalty. So that when you take a 5% five-year fix from a bank, the bank's not making five points. Their, their yield is probably closer to 7% because it's going to get paid out early. There's going to be a huge interest rate adjustment, uh, interest rate differential penalty, it's called, IRD. And uh, their yield on that, that mortgage is going to be closer to 6, 65 7%, not the, not the five that you see on the contract. Whereas a variable rate mortgage, the payment to get out is only ever three months interest. Mm-hmm. It's about a half, of, half a percent to 1% of the balance typically. So it's a thinner margin product while you're in it. And then if you break out of it early, there's not a lot of pain for you. And low pain for you means low profit for the bank. So I'm not saying that that individual is necessarily compensated, although a lot of individuals working the bank's call centers are compensated if they can convince a client to lock in. So when you get that call from your friendly banker, It's not because they're looking out for you. They're looking out for the shareholder. It's a great time. Fear is running high. It's a great time to get people to lock in. But to self-inflict that one and a half, two-point rate hike on yourself instantly and have your payment spike, uh, it's not that appetizing. And that is why 94% of clients are not locking in, which is fantastic. Like that's, that's good news and good news that you didn't lock in because two to three years from now, life might throw you a curveball. You might decide to, to, to move. You might decide you want to refinance and pull some equity out to buy an investment property, buy a cottage on the lake, buy a you know chalet up at Whistler, whatever it is. And suddenly you've put yourself in a position where you've got this massive penalty, especially if rates come back down the point, point and a half that many economists are predicting. So, you know, insert catchphrase here, right? Life is variable. Maybe your mortgage should be too. Um, But look, let's get to the heart of the matter because what happened today? Yeah, it went up a half a point. Oh, it sounds like they're easing up. Oh, maybe it's a good news half point hike. Uh, Maybe, but it really isn't. If you're in a variable rate mortgage, because if you're in a variable rate mortgage, the overwhelming majority of variable rate mortgage holders hit their trigger rate today. That's what's happened. 
tens of thousands of letters and calls will be going out to Canadians saying, hey, you've hit your trigger rate. Now, what does that mean? The answer varies depending on which lender you're with, right? Now, the adjustable rate mortgage clients, those are the ones whose payments have changed with each increase in prime. So they've had these incremental increases. Their payments went up again today, and their payments have gone up about 60% since March of this year. 60%. You had a $2,000 payment. You now have like a $3,200 payment. That's, that's a lot of pain. And that's a topic we could, we could get into. But at least the temperature of the pot of boiling water you're in has been turned up gradually. Right. For people in a variable rate mortgage whose payments have been static for the past seven months... A lot of them are now on the cusp of having that 60% increase inflicted in one whack. But are they? Are they really? The answer depends on the lender. So who's your lender? What's their policy? And guess what? A lot of the lenders, when you call the branch or you call the broker to contact the lender to figure it out, um, a lot of the lenders have mixed Stories. You could call the same lender, get three different people and get three different stories on what it means. So asking questions, not making a decision rashly, uh, asking additional questions, getting some a second opinion, even from the same uh, bank is important right now. Because here's the range. So some lenders are going to say, you've hit your trigger rate, Mr. and Mrs. Client. We need to re- amortize your mortgage today, meaning we need to increase your payment by about 60% today to get you back on track to your original amortization. We let it drift off course, and now we need to bring it all back, bang, right away. However, nearly every lender that's going to say that has a policy that's kind of unwritten, like it's not on a brochure sitting in the branch uh, lobby. It's an unwritten, unadvertised policy. And that policy could be one of the, 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 the few different options I'm going to give you here. It could be, actually, you've hit your trigger rate. Your payment is now $38 a month short of covering the full interest. If you increase your payment by $38, we can leave it as interest only. Now, some people would be losing their minds interest only you know, an amortization of infinity, uh, that's, that's unacceptable. But look, for some families, that's fine. It's really just about getting through the next year or two. And then as they maybe have a little more job security or they get a little bit of a raise or they get the basement suite finished and rented or, or, or bottom line, as their cash flow increases, they can start to pay that mortgage down faster. I mean, having that option to just be interest only and keep your payment as close to what it's been, that's an important option for some families. Mm -hmm. People who've had an unexpected pregnancy, uh, an unexpected illness, an unexpected job loss. Like that option exists with nearly every lender, but you have to dig for it. You have to press for it. Another option would be to re-amortize back out to the original term. So you took your mortgage 10 years ago, on a 30-year amortization, you're down to, say, 20 years or even 18 years. 
the bank without reapplying, without an appraisal, without a credit report, without any application process, just a, a few keystrokes could allow you to re-amortize all the way back to the original 30-year term, which again, nobody wants to add 12 years to their mortgage. I get it, but keep your eye on the prize, folks. It's about making your monthly payments for the next year, getting through this period of higher interest rates, and hopefully coming out the other side that economists are telling us is in 2024 of rates easing back down and your own income hopefully increasing as well. And then you get back on track. Uh, so, so again, I'm not advocating for interest-only mortgages or for 30-year or, in many cases, even a 35- or 40-year. I know everybody thought the 40-year amortization was gone. It wasn't actually taken away from us. The government actually just said to the banks, hey, can you guys please toe the line and not offer this anymore? And the banks said, okay. And they went along with it. But technically, the banks still have the ability to offer you a 40-year amortization. So again, I know of one lender in particular. I'm not going to name any lenders in this conversation. But I do know of at least one lender that will allow you, upon request, you got to push a little, to re-amortize over a 40-year. And again, that takes your payment spike from, say, 60% down to maybe 20%. And you're still at least paying some of it off. But the, the point I'm making overall is you can still sit in the driver's seat on this to some extent. You can still keep your hands on the wheel and control your destiny to some extent. But you got to lean in. You can't bury your head in the sand and run and hide. Just thinking one quick question, and I don't, I guess it probably depends on lender. If you're if you're triggered and so we're talking about a 60% increase and let's say rates start immediately coming back down which it, I'm not suggesting that's going to happen but if it did happen do you know Dustin do most lenders start reducing the payment um if you're on a fixed variable or is it just is it, there's a new normal that is is to the end of the term Now that is an excellent excellent question so um for the mechanically inclined, I would call it the ratcheting effect. You know how a ratchet, like a wrench, for instance, it turns one direction freely, but then it doesn't turn the other direction. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it, the, the, the payments are very much ratchet-like. So rates tick up, payment ticks up. Rate floats down, payment doesn't change. You just have more going to the principal than interest. Now, again, will the squeaky wheel get the grease? Will the one who asks get a result? Most likely, yes, because here's a line I've used with many a banker, many a mortgage underwriter over the years. Okay, hang on a second. You're telling me this is your policy, and I accept that it's your policy. Here's what I don't accept. We put a man on the moon before I was even born with less computing power than I'm holding in my hand right now with this smartphone. So I'm pretty sure that if we could send a man to the moon and bring him back alive, you know, back in the 60s, surely in the 2020s, we can find a way to bring that payment back down again now that rates have come back down. And, you know, usually you get a bit of a chuckle from somebody uh, with that uh, example. 
and uh, and it's a good icebreaker. And and often, well, clickety clickety clack, you hear the keys going. Okay, there's a thing I can do that kind of results in you getting what you're after. Fantastic. Again, the one who asks is the one who gets. You know, if if you want a title for the podcast, that's almost, that's almost <laughs> what it is, right? And and Dustin, so it sounds like. I think you said tens of thousands in your mm-hmm. line of work where you're talking to brokers across the country on the ground. How does this play out? How do you think this impacts borrowers and I guess ultimately the market? Well, I think the brokers are there for strategic conversations. The brokers generally don't have the ability to clickety clack those keys and make something specific happen with your lender, but your broker is your best advocate. Right. And, and, and the best brokers, that is exactly what they are. They're advocates for their clients. It's not transactional. It's not about the fact that there's no actual commission generating mortgage occurring. It's about the fact that you're their client for life. You've got a situation, you need advice. Should you be locking in? Should you be refinancing? Should you be pushing for an interest only option? Does that lender even offer that option? What are the options? And, you know, you want to find out what the options are. You ask an expert, right? Like, I'm not a football fan. I don't watch a lot of football. I don't play football. So I'm going to say to Pete Carroll, hey, man, you you are a pretty successful individual in this field. What are the options here? Hate to bring him up again because, you know, he doesn't always get it right. Uh, We don't always get it right. Sometimes things happen. But ultimately try and have an independent expert on your side. And I've, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of this thing, like I was the face and the voice of 1,695 files. Those are the ones that funded. I was the face and the voice of probably statistically, I I do track a lot of numbers, probably around 7,000, hey, so-and-so told me to call you about my mortgage conversations. Like I, I had thousands and thousands of conversations where at the end of the call, it was like, okay, so you're going to go back to your current lender and this is what you're going to say. You're going to go back to your current lender with this letter on my letterhead and you're going to say, hey, I talked to this broker and they said, this is what they can do. And, you know, four to five times that would get the lender to straighten up and fly right and pull out all the stops to keep that client, make that client happy. One in five times, you know, they got the wrong person at the lender that just refused to help them. And, and that became one of those transactions. Hey, everyone. Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. Sounds like my uh, success rate in multiple offers. Um, <laughs> Dustin, I feel that pain. I hear you. <laughs> um, I, I'm just thinking about the 50 uh, basis points this morning. And, and you know, before we jumped on the call with you, we were talking about a sense of optimism in the media around it. People kind of suggesting that the pivot is is in. And clearly that's that's not how you're feeling about it. Do you think there will be any kind of a shift in terms of buyer sentiment right now? Well, I mean, that's probably a question better put to uh, to a realtor. And, uh, and you know, hey, guys, I feel your pain, right? I mean, imagine the, the, the newer realtors who stepped into the market in 2020 in that frenzy of multiple offers getting outbid left and right. You know, they, they couldn't actually close a transaction for a client because they just kept getting outbid. It was mania, just a total frenzy. And now they can't close a transaction because nobody's buying anything. Being a realtor is a tough game. And look, I'm no realtor apologist, but whenever somebody says, oh, realtors, you know, blah, 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 they get paid so much. I always say to them, go be one. Like go walk a mile in their shoes. Like it's a, it's a tough game. So, you know, for your guys' sake, I, I would love to see us actually land in a balanced market because we went from multiple offer madness where there's a lot of pain and suffering for realtors and clients alike to crickets where there's a lot of pain and suffering for <laughs> clients and realtors alike. Um, you know, hope, hopefully it's going to come back into balance, but I think, you know, here's the reality. The bank of Canada's statement is like an 800 word statement. How many of the people talking about the bank of Canada decision today are aware of the number 0.5% versus read the entire statement. Right. Probably 99 to one. Sure. <laughs> right. And like they say, the governing council expects the policy interest rate will need to rise further. Like they're not saying the pain is over, start partying. And in fact, like that's the number one challenge the Bank of Canada has been facing is trying to cool the market when the market is at full employment. People are still out there spending money. They are. And if the media starts to push the sentiment that, hey, guys, the pain and suffering's over, we're going to have a great spring market, everybody's going to pile back in. I, I really 
worry about what the outcome of that will be because, hey, we still got one more Bank of Canada meeting December 7th. Like we're not over this year. It's not over. And and I do not think they're going to go zero on December 7th. I, I don't think very many people will expect them to move zero. Maybe they continue their trend, right? One point hike, 0.75 hike. Today, a 0.5 hike. Does that mean a quarter point hike December 7th? Maybe, but it'll depend what that inflation number is between now and then. Right. So, so one of the questions I had is, is can we stop talking about jumbo rate hikes uh, after today? And it sounds like obviously data driven, but best guess is, or best guess is, is not necessarily. Yeah, I, I, I think that we should be cautiously optimistic. Um, you know, and, and again, as a variable rate mortgage holder, as a recent home buyer, um, having, having purchased, uh, another property, just, you know, I just closed on it September 21st. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of the crazy people buying in a down market, but I, I, I like, <laughs> I like the idea of buying on the way down. You know, I'm, I, I like the idea of buying while prices are dropping and rates are rising. I'm, I'm trying to do that whole, like, you know, while everybody else is heading for the exit, I'm walking in to the party. Right. Um, you know, so will my contrarian ways uh, play out? And I have to acknowledge a critical point in all of this conversation. You know, I'm talking about how I'm staying variable and I'm buying in a down market. I am ridiculously entitled. I'm, I'm, I'm 51 years old. I'm a six foot two straight white male born in 1971 in Canada to English speaking parents who are still married to this day. Nobody's gone into prison or rehab or anything like it's been a pretty plain vanilla, super duper balanced life that I've led. And so, yeah, I have a bit of a cushion and I'm able to carry myself through this storm. I am acutely aware my story is not everybody's story. I'm acutely aware there are a lot of people who took variable rate mortgages based on those incredibly low rates and those incredibly low payments who are watching those payments either rise steadily because they're in an adjustable rate mortgage or are on the cusp of a pretty significant payment increase and there's going to be pain. But again, the number one thing I say to those people, pick up the phone call your broker and ask what your options are. And a lot of times it's just a matter of doing the math, like really, really doing the math and, and then brainstorming some solutions. I mean, can you get an overtime shift? Because it may actually just be a matter of one overtime shift per pay period that bridges the difference. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be an easy stretch for anybody. So Dustin, we've we've talked about, you know, and you've provided a lot of good advice for for owners with variable mortgages. Advice for owners with fixed rate mortgages coming up for renewal in the next 6 months to I guess even two, out out 2 years. What what would you what would you be advising advising those types of folks? Well, I mean again, you can't give macro advice on mortgages like you you really need to be speaking with somebody who is seeing your entire financial picture you know what are your income prospects what is your financial your overall net worth liquidity your goals your plans like all these things matter 
you know, some of the some of the most egregious examples we see of poor planning and poor advice are people literally saying, we're going to sell our home one year from now and then locking into a five-year fixed, not realizing how massive the penalties are, um, you know, or, or, or saying, uh, you know, we, we would like to put ourselves into a seven-year amortization so that we pay this thing off in seven years. It's going to be tight. It's going to be a stretch, but we think we can do it. Well, seven years is a, a long time and life happens and not getting the advice that, well, hey, actually with the basic prepayment privileges that the majority, not all, that the majority of lenders offer, you actually could re-amortize to 20, 25, 30 years, take a little bit of money out, put it in a GIC so you have a bit of a cushion for liquidity, and then you could effectively create a seven-year amortization through enacting prepayment privileges, which if something comes out of left field, you can unwind. So there's much more than just fixed versus variable to discuss. There's a, there's a lot of really, you know, it boils down to long-term planning. And as you're speaking with somebody who's interacted with dozens, hundreds, thousands of, of mortgage clients, that person will have seen a lot of different things play out nearly all of them completely unexpected for the clients. So again, I would say whether you're coming up for a renewal in a fixed or a variable, you want to have a broader conversation than just fixed or variable. Like what actually makes sense for an amortization? And can I future-proof myself? You know, what if Prime moves up another 2%, another 3%? What if it goes that far? Can I future-proof myself against that? Can I make sure I've got a buffer in place to account for that? Is that, is that feasible? Um, you know, again, like hope for the best plan for the worst, like hope is not a strategy. So you've got to do some planning and, uh, and again, engaging an expert to do that planning with you, uh, I think is crucial. The upside for a lot of fixed rate people coming up for renewal, they're coming out of 3.79 five-year fix. Now the downside is let's face it. If you took a three, seven, nine, five year fix five years ago, you've been crying the blues the whole way through. You're acutely aware, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you're acutely aware of prepayment penalties because you were trying to break out of that thing in April of 2020 and get yourself into a 1.2% variable. You know, you, you, you just couldn't believe the size of the penalty and, and you're, you were kicking yourself. And then all of a sudden you're not kicking yourself. Um, and, and Hey, the good news is if you're coming out of a three, seven, nine, which is around the high five years ago, um, yeah, you've got bad timing. Cause geez, that was, that was the five-year high in 2017. Uh, and, and, and now you're facing the five-year high <laughs> again. Um, but at least it's only a, a, a one and a half point step up. Let's say it's not a four point step up. So your payment's not changing that radically. And, and again, over five years, your income probably has changed for the better. So you're probably going to be okay. And Dustin, curious to hear your thoughts here, because we're talking about, you mentioned five-year highs. You know, we've talked a lot on the, on the program about um, when it comes to central banks, at least, I feel like there's two things we're talking about. Uh, one is quote unquote regime change, uh, meaning we're kind of just in a higher interest rate environment. And yet, I feel like even the headlines this morning, and we mentioned it already, 
you know, is this signs of early signs of a pivot uh, where rates are coming back down? Do you have thought, like you kind of suggested there, uh, a five-year high in terms of just looking outwards from here? Um, you know, are we in this kind of new normal where four and a half, five percent mortgage rates are kind of just the norm, or or do you see in the next couple of years rates maybe not going down to a one point, you know, one point two percent on a variable, but but coming down in a, in a meaningful way for for Canadian homeowners or potential buyers? Well, once again, I'm I'm going to maintain my position that I'm out of the prediction business. <laughs> Um, and and te- technically speaking, rates are at a 15-year high right now. Um, like we've we've hit highs we haven't seen since you know pre 2008 economic crisis, like since that big crash. Um, are those rates here to stay? Uh, I am a skeptic. In 2017, as we moved into these higher rates, and the Bank of Canada moved prime up three quarter point hikes that year, uh, I maintained then that people should seriously evaluate a variable rate mortgage. Not everyone should go into one, but everyone should understand the nuances, the differences between variable and fixed, and everyone should consider and make an informed decision. And I I would repeat that today. You know, hey, are rates going to continue to float up for the next three months, six months? I believe there's still a little bit more room there before we're going to hit the ceiling. I'm not going to get too precise, but I believe it could still easily, according to the Bank of Canada's own wording, move up a little higher. Could it float back down? Absolutely. Uh, Is that going to happen in six months or nine months? Probably not. Probably not. Um, But is it going to happen over the next 12 to 18 months? Arguably, yes, because the whole point of these higher rates that have been inflicted on us in such short, uh, you know, significant burst uh, is to cool the economy. And once it cools, well, then they're going to have to kind of you know, correct again to re-stimulate it. Mm-hmm. So it's a given that rates are going to come down from whatever high they hit. Nobody really knows exactly what that high is going to be. And so, you know, the, the, the issues around the Bank of Canada are interesting right now. If you, I don't know if you guys want to go down that rabbit hole, but the politicizing of the Bank of Canada, the, almost the weaponizing mm-hmm. of the Bank of Canada, uh, you know, by certain political individuals. Again, I'll stay away from names and stay away from political parties. But that's interesting. Like, that's new for Canada. You know, this is an unelected body that's being pilloried you know, arguably for political purposes. And and it's an oversimplification. You know, to say the Bank of Canada printed too much money and kept rates low for too long, it's such a gross oversimplification. Mm-hmm. But we need, we need oversimplifications. That's how we survive, right? We oversimplify things. If the Bank of Canada, if it was purely their mistake and they just drove rates down for too long and put too much money into the system, well then driving rates up and pulling money out of the system, which by the way, that's actually what's happening. Uh, when, when the Bank of Canada increases interest rates, that's the byproduct. What they've actually done is tightened the money supply. They've pulled money out of circulation and that's resulted in the rates going up. So, you know, that's a little bit of a, maybe too much of an economics uh, 101 class or something. <laughs> but, but, you know, if, if the mistake was they, they went too low for too long, then surely going 
high would fix the mistake. But that wasn't the mistake that was made. The mistake that was made was Putin rolling into the Ukraine, jamming up the global supply chain, getting back online. And over half of the inflation number is supply chain related. Mm-hmm. So interest rates have no impact on the fact, the reality, that there are no Ford trucks. There's no Toyota trucks. You know, there's certain brands there are, there is supply, but you go down to a Ford or a Toyota lot, those just happen to be the ones closest to my house. So I, I, I drive through them for a year now regularly. There's no inventory. Well, high rates don't create inventory for Ford. They don't. So their trucks are still selling over ask. They're still selling at a premium. There's still inflation there. High rates don't change that. I mean, what they're trying to do, the Bank of Canada, is stop us from even thinking about buying a new truck. Mm. But there's only one truck down there. So you're literally, you know, the Bank of Canada is literally trying to impact 100,000 people around that dealership, every single last one of them. Like, we need every single one of them to not go want that one truck. There's, you know what? There's still going to be five people going down there wanting that one truck. Just that's the reality. So it's it's a pretty tricky situation right now, isn't it? Yeah, and you know what? That example actually leads to to maybe the the last question here. But you know, in Vancouver, we've seen you know let's say across the board for ease ten to fifteen percent declines right in the last six nine months, whatever it is, and and yet we're talking uh, so far about sixty percent increases to borrowers. So it's actually gotten more expensive to to buy and carry a home in the last six to nine months. I'm just wondering, you know, a, a lot of people haven't, don't probably think of the market that that way, right? They think about supply and demand and buyer's expectations and seller's expectations being too far apart. Do you have any thoughts on on just like the, the actual facts that it's just 60% more expensive in a, a month over a month? To, to carry a property right now and what that means uh, over the next six to nine months? Well, not only is it more expensive, that also ties into the stress test, right? right. The stress test is now at all time record highs. Like we're, we're stress testing people at 8%, you know, up from five and a quarter. So for years, the stress test hovered at basically five and a quarter, but it, and to the point that a lot of people just thought the stress test was five and a quarter uh, or, you know, 4.84. No, 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 no. The, the, it's, it's the five-year posted rate or 2% above contract. And with contracts now, you know, just, just tapping 6%, you've got a stress test at 8%. Well, that, that limits people's capacity to purchase. Like their maximum mortgage numbers are coming down, down, down. So you've got to have that much more income to qualify to buy the same thing. So in other words, a lot of buyers have been taken out of the pool. So there are fewer buyers, especially at the higher ends of the market. Now, not the high, high end, you know, the 10 million, $15 million properties, that's its own market. That's its own thing. But you get into 800,000 to $2.4 million, sort of in that zone, you know, call it 1 million to 3 million. Those folks, for the most part, are taking sizable mortgages, which require sizable incomes to qualify for. 
And that's become incredibly difficult. It's it's becoming across the country, not just for for you know bigger mortgage amounts. It's all relative. Like an eight percent stress test is absolutely limiting buyers. And uh, I mean, I'm based in Squamish myself uh, personally, and I actually I mentioned earlier I purchased the property. I purchased a carbon copy of the first home I purchased a year ago. Uh, it's the same floor plan a couple blocks down. I bought it for 20% of what the first one appraised for in May of this year in September. So 120 days later, the appraised value versus the actual transaction price on a near identical home, there's a 20% spread. So that drop is real. Mm. You know, but the qualifying process was just as tough because even though it was 20% cheaper, again, the qualifying rate, the stress test rates higher. So it still takes, it takes almost the same to qualify. So this is, this is the interesting scenario that the Bank of Canada is also creating. They're, they're, they're removing more and more buyers from the pool just by virtue of the higher rate impacting the stress test. Right. And, and Dustin, that kind of goes back to your uh, example of the car lot, right? Like essentially trying to take uh, as many buyers out for the for the remaining product. But yeah, really interesting stuff. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about that 20% discount on houses in Squamish, reach out to the Scalina brothers. Um, we can we can point you in the right direction. Dustin. Well, well placed. <laughs> Dustin, we, uh, we have this segment. Uh, I, I think you're familiar with it. The five wire, five lighthearted questions to end the show. Do you have time to stick around for that? Well, absolutely. I mean, we need something light after all of that, don't we? I, I, <laughs> I, I like to be the optimist, and I, I don't know that uh, that came through. Uh, but no, I. You know what? I, there's a there's a ton of takeaways there. I, yeah, you I, know what? I, I feel like um, for the most part, it, uncertainty is the worst. Like the the there's I don't know. I feel like I, I feel better after this conversation. We all crave certainty. That's for sure. I agree. And, and we are living in a time of great uncertainty. But uh, don't go through it alone. Pick up the phone. Right. <laughs> ask, ask some questions. Uh, for that one, you can call Matt. <laughs> call, 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 call your broker. Call the Scalina brothers. Call your therapist. Call whoever you need to call. But don't go through it alone. The Five Wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey. That sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full-service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. First question, Dustin, uh, a book uh, that you're currently reading that you can recommend or, or, or any book actually that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? A book that I'm currently reading, I really want to give you a good answer. Do Hard Things by Steve Magnus, M-A-G-N-E-S-S. Do Hard Things. That is something I live by. I think I had a slide seven years ago in a presentation I gave eight years ago called Do the Difficult. Uh, do hard things. That book has got me wearing a 30 pound weight vest, uh, ah. hiking 33 minutes a day, six days a week with about a hundred meters elevation. It's, it's a baseline activity, but that book triggered that. 
And, uh, and, and, and it's, it's also triggered a line I use a lot. The number one way I'm going to beat inflation is by getting in better shape. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was he, I think I just listened to him on the rich roll podcast from like months back, but I just dug up that old episode and it was, he was in, um, in like long distance running and, and, and training. Is that the same guy? Yeah. 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 Okay. Awesome. Hard things. All right. You know, I we're going to call an audible on the, on the second question, unbeknownst to Adam here, Dustin. But you mentioned you're in a conference right now uh, over over Zoom. Keith Cunningham, can you just talk a little bit about? I thought so. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I thought the the Rich Dad was a a figure of of Robert Kiyosaki's imagination, a made up character. Turns out this guy's real. Yeah, now he's not literally Robert Kiyosaki's father. No, um, but Robert no, 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 but I, I thought he made that character up as a kind of device for the book. He kind of did, but he based the entire character on Keith Cunningham, and there was no, there was, there was very little mystery uh, about that. Certainly to Keith, because Robert had paid a bunch of money to hear Keith speak, and uh, and and off off he went and wrote the uh, the bestseller, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Like we said at the top of the, the conversation, though, unfortunately, Mr. Kiyosaki has been a very, very negative individual, which is which was kind of distressing to a lot of fans of the book, because the book is kind of an optimistic type of book. But Keith Cunningham, let's let's talk about him because he's an awesome guy. He's he's an optimist. He's my kind of people. And uh he's running his last live presentation. Uh, as we record this and, and yeah, I'm going to run back upstairs into my, my other office and tune in for another day and a half of, of Keith Cunningham. And is, is I mean, down home kind of advice. The session is called plan or get slaughtered. And uh, you know, it's, it's that those kinds of titles he uses, but just, you know, a lot of great advice. One of my key takeaways from another session I did with him recently, smart people have better answers geniuses ask better questions. Mm. I, I love that. Smart people have better answers. Geniuses ask better questions. And so again, for those who are still listening, where I've said it you know, probably three times now, when you're having a conversation with your banker, with your broker, with anybody about anything, ask questions. Don't let that question go unasked. Don't be shy. Don't sit on that question. Ask that question. And they should be asking you questions, lots of questions. So, yeah, really interesting dude, though. I'm, I'm really enjoying the material. Not inexpensive. Took me five years to uh, finally pull the trigger and, and throw the, the money down. I've, I've, I've invested heavily in Mr. Cunningham this year. Question number three. Uh, what is, uh, in the last five years, what is a new belief, behavior, or habit that has improved your life? Does it involve a weight Honest, Honestly, it is asking more questions. Um, I just built a 40-minute presentation for a conference I attended last weekend. And the entire presentation was actually questions. And uh, I, I, I'm, what, I, what I opened with was this premise. And this, I think, is, is it in a nutshell. Um, my answers are probably not your answers. The solutions for me are probably not the solutions for you. So for me to get up here and give you a bunch of answers on a topic, any topic, is not the right path. I think I am supposed to get up in front of people now and give them better questions to ask. 
he says at the end of a podcast where I really didn't put a lot of questions out there for people. <laughs> I'm I'm learning. You know, this is this is my new thing. This is what I'm trying to shift towards. Fantastic. What what have you been binge watching lately or favorite movie? Not a thing. I sold my television. I disconnected Netflix. I I unsubscribed to Crave. I haven't had cable in 25 years. I'm out and I actually have a bicycle hanging on the wall where the TV used to hang. And when I want to look at the TV, I pull the bicycle down and go ride it. Great. That's a piece of advice that uh, is going to be near and dear to Matt's heart and uh, (laughs) maybe even my own. Uh, Last but not least, something that you've purchased for under $1,500 that's had a positive impact on your life recently. A 30-pound weighted vest that there I'm strapping is. on six days a week. Hey, I'm not... Let's tie it all together. You know what? I, and Adam, uh, three days ago, said we should start wearing weighted vests around the office. And I thought he was crazy. But uh, it's funny. But I'm, I'm trying to think of where I picked this up. I, I've been listening. It's the funniest thing. I can probably run like 5K not well in, in, in a long period of time. But I've been listening to the all... Like, I'm, ultra marathon runners and, and, uh, there's always good advice and you get inspired and yeah, we're already, we've got the stand up desk. Now we just got to do it weighted, Matt, pretty soon. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what we're striving towards here, but one of these days we'll, we'll be in you, shape. Dustin Woodhouse status. Yeah. You, you, you guys are, no, you know me well enough to know I've, I've, I've probably got some Cliff Clavin like stats around this and, and, and indeed I do. So here's what I took away. You ever see me running? you better turn around and run with me because there's something <laughs> bad going on back there. Like I don't run ever. I hate running. Running isn't fun. That's not a fun activity for me. For me, I, I, I prefer handlebars and a couple of wheels. Maybe there's a motor involved or maybe it's a chairlift, whatever. But that's fun to me being on a bike, not, not running. However, uh, the main reason for that is my knees just don't do well. The, the knees are 51 and the, there's been a lot of adventure, a lot of skateboarding, mountain biking, dirt biking, a lot of different things over the years. And the, here's here's what got me on the weighted vest. When you run, uh, the average average man, which I am, uh, you know, about 180 pounds, every strike, every heel strike is putting about 1,500 pounds of pressure through your knee. Whereas when you put a 30 pound weight vest on and go walking, it's about 500 pounds of pressure through the knee, but your heart rate is in the same zone. So it's like I'm running for a half an hour, even though I'm not running. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to really sound like a geek, but that's okay because only about three people left listening at this point. <laughs> I also have a pair of those Vibram five finger sole, you know, shoes. They look, look like a glove on your foot. And those suckers, I mean, they're great for ankle and calf strength. And I've been wearing those in conjunction with that vest on that hike. My calves, my ankles have never been in better shape. And I'm only about two months into this new habit which I'm also out for about 10 days due to conferences and COVID, but I'm, I'm going to get back into it today. Sounds good. Well, we'll, we'll leave, we'll leave it there and let you get, get walking, hiking, but uh, Dustin, how can people find out more about uh, what you're doing? And it's a, you put out tons of awesome content. So uh, yeah, if you can let listeners know. Google is your friend. I mean, you, you type my name into Google and you're going to, you're going to track me down on LinkedIn. You'll find the Be The Better Broker website. There's a, a few books I've written. 
hey, if you're still listening and you're interested in uh, mortgage brokering as a potential career or you're in, you're in brokering and have never heard of me or the books or anything like that, drop me an email. Also easy to find via Google and just say, hey, I heard you wrote a book. Give me a mailing address. I'll mail you a copy of the first book. If you like what you read, then you can track the rest down. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very open, open profiles on social media and uh, and I'm out there. Well, thanks so much again, Dustin, for your time. Uh, episode, the 12th episode time uh, on, on VRAP, which is fantastic. And we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me on again, guys. I thought after all the variable rate talk and the way things have gone, you might never want to hear from me again. So I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Always good having you on. Thanks so much, Dustin. Thanks, guys. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Dustin Woodhouse, president at Mortgage Architects, best-selling author, and his books are, there's a three-part series, phenomenal books, and very gracious of him to yeah. offer the, the first book up, but also 12-time guest on VREP. One of our early success stories, I think, was having Dustin on the first time. Dustin was actually instrumental in uh, helping us uh, build this podcast early a on. Lot he of connected good... us to uh, some really great people. He did. And he also, uh, just words of encouragement, right? With, yeah. uh, I, I feel like he's, he's at Mortgage Architects, but he's a, an architect of Vancouver Real Estate Podcast in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. And in the big thing about Dustin is, uh, just not to, uh, not to go on too much, but one is, uh, that book of his, when a lot of people in he, our the, industry say they wrote a book, yeah. It usually means they they wrote a, a three page pamphlet, <laughs> and and that's not the case here. And, and yeah, and a three page pamphlet that is basically a business card. Yeah, right? and and that's not the like this is actually this is like a book. These I, are I, serious I, books. They're serious books. They're five six hundred the page broker. books. They're they're big books. Um, and and it's and it's phenomenal content. It's most is mostly for people that are either considering getting in the industry or already in the industry. So it's probably not a but great. But also useful stuff for realtors as well. Yeah. Find. No, ph phenomenal books for sure. The other thing is, is I always kind of want to double click on Dustin Woodhouse's uh, fitness regime. He's he's got um, he's he's a fit guy in his in his early fifties. Eh, like if you look at his, uh, I think it's his Instagram that I follow him on or Facebook. I can't remember. Oh, but, I haven't seen this. Um, He's like a motocross guy. He's I like on a, he's yeah. on a dirt bike all the time. He's on it. He's like an aggressive downhill mountain biker. He rides a Whistler. I think uh, that was part of the move to Squamish. Yeah. And then you hear he's like hiking uh, in in a weighted vest. In a weighted vest. I feel like also <laughs> the fact that you just brought up a weighted vest to me. Dustin's always about six months ahead of us. Yeah. He's been. I'm like, okay, this is this is part of the journey, then we're definitely getting weighted vests now. Yeah, yeah. Usually <laughs> usually the weight is under our vests. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, anyways, we're excited to put this episode out. But what else do we got before we cut for the day? What else do we have? We have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our website where all things real estate related live, including the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast, which, by the way... Jordan McDonald, uh, NBD is, is this uh, is this week's guest. Um, wow, is that a good episode? I haven't heard it yet, yeah. but you were part of it, and uh, you and Corey Wright uh, held it down with Jordan. Uh, so exciting stuff! That's at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also have, of course, the Live Wire. This is our weekly mailer with stats before anyone else. Different types of stats. 
pre-sales, so many pre-sale options right now. Yeah. Um, so if you are looking like Dustin to get into uh, the market when it's not as busy as it often is, now is potentially a time to be looking at pre-sales. And of course, we also have private client services. Because Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free. It's available at your fingertips on VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And the reason I said that is because I was just looking up, I was trying to remember what it was. We had a ton of feedback about Tom Davidoff's recent obsession with Fat Joe. Fat Joe. <laughs> Fat Joe? Fat Joe. Yo, yo Fat Joe. Uh, Fat Joe and Ashanti. Uh, what's love? The uh, the remix. Right. Um, Man, just in time for your Halloween parties. What a banger. <laughs> what about a banger. You know how many people have reached out about that? I uh, can't wait to tell Tom, but uh, that was a, a very good music recommendation. And if you want to talk about that or anything else, Matt, how can people get in touch? They can get in touch with me at any time, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also got that Kokomo line, info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. But Adam, maybe before we go, what's the story with this uh, get a t-shirt thing? One more time. One more time. Head over to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast on Instagram, which is just at... Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. And uh, you can tag us in your favorite episode. We will repost it. And uh, yeah, we'll enter you into a draw to get a shirt. Uh, to be honest, we're just, we're handing out a lot this of shirts. This is uh, a very easy way to get a pretty cool t-shirt. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, follow us on Instagram. Uh, check back next week. Some more great content. Take care. Two faces for radio. Subscribe today.